Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. That game just happened to be in 2009, January 8th. Well, exactly three years later, January 8th, 2012, we just happened to be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I never even thought about John 3.16 one time, so I can't take any credit for it. I just tried to go out there and win a playoff game, and we were blessed to win this crazy playoff game in overtime. And I run in and try to, you know, shower really quick and change because I wanted to go celebrate with my family. So I'm going, running to go and do my press conference really quick because I love talking to the media. <laughs> And uh, right before I walk into the press conference room, Patrick, our PR guy, jumps in front of me. He says, Timmy, do you realize what happened? I was like, yeah, we just beat the Steelers. We're going to play the Patriots. Like, let me do this. He's like, no, do you realize what happened? And I was like, I guess not. He said, Timmy, it's exactly three, three, not, three years from the night you wore John 316 under your eyes. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And he was like, no, you don't realize. During the game, you threw for 316 yards. Your yards per completion were 31.6. Your yards per rush were 3.16. The ratings for the night were 31.6, and the time of possession was 31.06. And during the game, 90 million people Google John 3.16, and it's the number one trending thing on every platform. Hello, everybody. My name is Matt. I am on staff here at the church. I just want to welcome you. Also want to welcome you back in the beacon um, and at home. We did this first service and you could hear it in the back. So if you're in the beacon, give us a big shout out. Hey, all right. We opened the door a little bit. We heard it this time. So thanks. Um, if you're at home, give us a shout out. We couldn't quite hear that one. So, um, but yeah, again, I am Matt and that video was of Tim Tebow. Any Tim Tebow fans in the house? A few of you have Tim Tebow fans? Well, if you don't know who Tim Tebow is, he was obviously with the football clip. He's a football player, a quarterback. Um, and he's known more for his college football than his pro football. Um, let me tell you a little bit about him. So he was a quarterback at the University of Florida. And he was the Heisman Trophy winner um, his sophomore year. The Heisman Trophy is the award that goes to the best college football player for that year. And he was he won it as a sophomore. And then his junior and senior year, he was a finalist. So he finished in like the top three or four, um, something like that. So a really good, um, talented player. He also is a two-time national champion at Florida. Their team won the national championship his freshman and junior seasons. And I would argue um, in my time that, that I've known of, that I've, I've watched college football, that he is one of the greatest college football players that I've ever seen. Not just with talent, but, but his resume, because he, he won and he, and he you know, the, the Heismans and the national championships. I would argue he's one of the greatest college football players of all time. But that's not necessarily the reputation that he has now, right? He built that reputation in college, and that was his reputation going out. But then his reputation now is a little bit different. And a lot of it has to do with the video that we watched. Um, he was one of the first players, the first one that I know of, that would put um, 
He put scripture on his eye black. You see in the picture up here, he's got John 3.16 on his eye black. He was not the first player to do to write on his eye black. There were some other players that would put their like area code on their eye black. Like you'd like if you're from Northern Indiana, you'd say the five seven four. You know, and they'd put they'd put that on their eye black. But he was the first one to put um, scripture on. He started with uh, Philippians four thirteen, and then switched to John. That story that he had about he put that on his on his eye black, and then. Um, all you know, all the things that happened with 316. It's a really cool video. It's like six or seven minutes long. I couldn't show it all to you, but if you Google that, if you just Google Tim Tebow 316 game, it'll come up. It's a really cool story. But anyway, so so he's he's known for that. He's known for putting the um, numbers um, in the scripture on the eye black. He is also known for something that has to do with his faith. And it's named after him. It's called Tebowing. Anyone familiar with Tebowing? Right? I'll do it if you can't see it in the beacon. I apologize, but this is Tebowing right here. Right? He's known for that because he would, before games and sometimes after games or sometimes both or whatever, he would bend down and say a quick prayer. Um, and it became known for Tebowing. Now, the reason that it became known is because he was actually criticized for that. He was criticized quite a bit for writing the scriptures on his eye black as well. And I would argue that the reputation that he has now is different than the one, the, the one he had when he was in college. And I would argue that it's the reputation he has now is more negative. And I believe that a lot of that's because he put his faith out there. I remember when, when he was doing all this, when he played, he doesn't play anymore, but when he'd play and people would say, well, well, why don't you just keep your faith? Why doesn't he keep his faith to himself? And why does he have to, oh, he's just Tebowing in front of it so everybody can see that he's doing it. And so again, his reputation went from like one of the greatest college football players ever to kind of this negative reputation. And the reason it is, is because it, would, it wouldn't have changed that way unless he risked that reputation. He risked it because God called him not to necessarily be the greatest college football player of all time, but, but to be a Christian and, and, and use that platform to get the word of God out, right? When he put John three sixteen on there, they went through all those stats. Did you hear the last one right before I came up? That 94 million people Googled John three sixteen. And so, so that's the reputation that Tim Tebow has now. And it's all because he took a risk. He took a risk with his reputation. So hold that thought. We're in a series here at church. This is the fourth week, I believe. It's called Risk Takers, Finding Our Courage in an Unpredictable World. We've talked about different risk takers, Gideon and David, and last week's Paul, Saul to Paul, that was last week's, and they all took risks. This week, we are going to take a look at Noah. Um, many of you are familiar with Noah. You probably think of Noah's Ark. That's the story we're gonna look at because like Tim Tebow, Noah took a risk and he ripped, risked his reputation for God and it had a long lasting impact. And so we are going to take a look at that story today of Noah. The story of Noah um, happens in the book of Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible. Um, starts in chapter six. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of 
skip through some verses, but we're going to be in chapter Genesis chapter chapter 6 through 9. And the story goes a little bit longer than that because it talks about Noah's family after the flood and all that. Um, but, but if you want to follow along, you can, but the scriptures will also come up on the screen. So I'm going to start by being in Genesis 6, verse 9. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So I'm just going to pause there. That, that one verse kind of describes Noah's reputation. It says, blameless among the people of his time. So the people had respect for Noah, right? Noah was intelligent. He was a righteous man, studied, studied scripture and, and was smart. Um, he was very well liked, probably wealthy, um, but, but, but again, he, he had it together. That's the reputation that he had. He had it all together. And so that's where Noah's reputation starts. We're going to see where it goes here. Sorry, I got to take another drink. My Mountain Dew habit throughout the week comes back when I preach because my voice gets a little bit scratchy. So I apologize for that. <laughs> anyway, we're moving on. So, right, so... Um, God asked Noah to do something. And we'll see in Genesis 6, 13 and 14, it said, so God said to Noah, because he's a blameless and righteous man, I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. And here's what God tells, here's the directions. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. So then God tells how to build this ark. The ark is the big boat, right? I don't know why they call it an ark in the Bible time, but like I call it a boat. It's a big, big boat. Now, when Noah builds this ark, I want to go back to his reputation a little bit. When Noah builds his ark, he's somewhere in the ballpark of 500 years old, okay? They lived a lot longer than we do, right? Um, but the reason is, so he is essentially building his reputation. He has built that reputation over 500 years. It's a solid reputation, right? Even in my life, I'm 41. So if I've built my reputation, I, I feel like I worked at it. That's 41 years. He's been doing it for 500 years. He's, he's built this reputation for 500 years. And then they build this ark, um, took him somewhere between 55 and 75 years to build the ark. There was a replica down near Cincinnati that was built, um, same size and everything. That took them two years and a thousand men and also machinery to build that in two years. But Noah essentially had himself. He had three sons. They all had wives and then his wife. So roughly basically eight people build this ark, took him between somewhere between 55 and 75 years. God wants him to build the ark. Now he tells him why. Why should I build this ark? So in Genesis, again, 6, 17, 18 says, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has, has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and, I, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife 
and your sons' wives with you. So I'm going to pause there again and talk about now the, the, the reputation that he's built over the first 500 years. It's now starting to change, right? It doesn't say that in there, but basically, right? So for 500 years, he's built this reputation. And then in the, in the 55 to 75 years, because think about it, he's building a boat. He didn't have a beachfront house where he's building this boat on water. He's essentially building it in a desert. And so his neighbors are coming over to him, right? They're saying, Noah, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just building the boat. Well, what for? Well, then Noah can't tell him, right? Because if he tells him what for, he looks even, and maybe he did tell him, I don't know if he did, but he looks even sillier. Well, because there's going to be a big flood and everybody on earth is going to get wiped out except for me and my family. Like, that sounds kind of absurd, doesn't it? It sounds absurd. And so his reputation during that time is, is getting tanked. There's going to be ridicule on, on Noah. It sounds really, really silly. There is actually a um, movie, it's called Evan Almighty, but it's about the story of Noah. They do a pretty good job of depicting like the foolishness and the silliness of, of that story. Here's a picture of um, Steve Carell plays Evan, which is Noah. Um, but they call him in the show, one of, one of, the, one of the, um, the TV crews that comes out and films like, what are you doing? Why are you building this boat? And they call him the weirdo with a beardo. But, but again, I think that movie does a good job just depicting like the reputation, how his reputation is starting to be tarnished a little bit because what are you doing? Why are you spending 50 years of your life building a boat? Then moving on in the story, we kind of know what happens next. Um, he says, bring two of every animal. They're going to go on the ark with you. Um, then the rains are going to come. It ends up raining for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, if you I encourage you this week, read through the story because it's, I'm just kind of summarizing very briefly. Um, but it rains and it even says it doesn't rain, but it bubbles up from the ground, like the springs bubble up. So it's raining and the, the, it's flooding from down below. He's essentially on the, the boat, on the ark for somewhere around a year. Okay, it wasn't just 40 nights and, they were, and he had to, to wait through all that. And then he had to wait for the waters to come down. Um, but somewhere around a year, is how long Noah and his family were on the boat before they could, could come off. And then this is what happens when they, when they get off the boat. This is in Gen Genesis chapter eight, verses 20 and 21. It says, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. So Noah risks this reputation, builds a boat. What God says is going to happen actually happens. And then afterwards, Noah comes out and, and God says, I'm no longer going to, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to flood the earth. I think we can learn a lot from Noah, from him risking his reputation. And so the, the title of today's message is Noah's Ark, when risking our reputation 
is required. There's a couple things that you can write in your handout that I think we can take nowadays about risking our reputation that we can learn from Noah. But first, um, I'm going to pray. So God, we thank you. We thank you for scripture. We thank you for for world-famous stories like Noah that, that you've put into, that you let happen in this world, but then you put into your word so we can read about it and we can learn and become stronger Christians because of that. So thank you so much for Noah and his word, God. And I just ask that you speak to us this morning, that you take this story and you speak to us. Get me out of the way, God. And the words that I use, let them be your words this morning. We should invite the Holy Spirit in. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so a couple things, but the first one you can write down is risking our reputation comes easier when we connect with our creator. When we connect with our creator. In verse 613 of Genesis, it says, so God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people and all that. But he said, right, the first part, God said to Noah. To everyone else in that situation, I'm sure it sounded weird. I'm sure it looked weird, right? When he, when, like we kind of played about when, he, when they came up to him and said, what are you doing? I'm building a boat. That makes no sense to them. That makes no sense to the people. Why? Because God didn't speak that to the people. God spoke that to Noah. And then Noah risked his reputation. And he didn't risk his reputation for the others. My gut's gonna tell me that if, if Noah would have listened to his neighbors and all his peers, he would have stopped building the ark. Because it was absurd, it sounded absurd. You're gonna build, wait, a boat and it's how big? And you're gonna put two of every animal on it? Like, it sounds absurd. It sounds absurd to the others because God didn't speak it to him. It's not absurd to Noah because God spoke it to Noah. And so when we, when we risk our reputation, when we're doing something, if, we, if we're gonna put our reputation out there, we need to put it out there, not for other humans, but we need to put it out there because God says to. And the only way we can do that is when we have a connection with God. It's the only way we can do it. I wish I had this picture. I, no, I, I kind of wish I had this picture, that I, but I kind of glad that I don't have this picture. But my family brought up a picture of me. Um, this was when I was in junior high and it's perfect for today because it's the day after um, Halloween. But when I was in junior high, one year for, for Halloween, I dressed up like a cheerleader. I dressed up like a female cheerleader. I had a skirt on and I had a wig on and the whole nine yards and the pom-poms and everything. And I got the same reaction that I'm getting now. People laughed about it, but here's the thing. I risked my reputation and that wasn't really like me to cross-dress. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you're thankful for that, um, but it was different, but I, but I risked that, but I didn't risk it I risk that to get laughs. I risk that for, for people. I didn't risk that for God. 
And so I tell you that story because if you're gonna risk your reputation, and I think sometimes in our society, we will do things and we will risk things just for the sake of risking them or just for the, the sake of, of getting attention. But we can't just do that. We have to risk things only for God. When we're risking our reputation, when we're looking foolish or silly, don't do it just to do it. Do it because God tells you to do it. Noah probably looked a little silly, but he did it for God. He did it for God. Again, to the others, it didn't, it didn't make sense. It was confusing to other people than Noah. Let me give you an example in my life. So on two occasions, I have left um, education to go work at the church. Um, I was a school teacher and, and a, an assistant principal, and I left once and then followed a church plant here and then went back to the school and then did it again. So, so on two occasions, but, but in both of those occasions, people... I'll use the word criticize. I don't know if it's that, but they, they questioned why I was doing it. Like what? Why are you leaving a job that a good job, a fairly high paying job. And I don't mean this kind of teachers work hard. We had teachers in your last service too. teacher. I don't, but a job where you get your summers off teaching so I could go golfing in the summer, a job where I had every weekend pretty much free. I had um, the teacher's retirement a fund. TRF is a really good retirement fund. And I left all of that stuff. And so people were like questioning me and thinking I was a little bit foolish. And to them, I probably did look foolish. But to me, it wasn't foolish. Why? Because I knew that was what God was calling me to do. I knew that's what God was calling me to do. I had a connection with God. And so I, I, I was willing to risk my reputation that way, but only because it was for God. And it was a little foolish. It seemed a little foolish. Let me ask you this. You can, this is a question to ask yourself, I guess. Am I willing to look foolish for God? Am I willing to look foolish for God. And there's different ways that, that that will look in your life. I don't know what that is. I just thought of some, um, maybe sharing your faith with others or inviting somebody to church as part of that sharing your faith. Where I'm standing today is how do I say this? So, so for me, that sharing my faith, it's not easy for me to share my faith with some of my old friends because of that reputation that I had. Does that make sense? And so when I say, am I willing to look foolish for God? I don't, in that way, I'm probably failing with my family too. My family, right? My family, they know my past reputation. The last 41 years, they know all the stupid stuff that I did, Right? They know the way that I used to talk. And so, so then when I share where I'm at now with them, that's hard for me. It's, I need to risk that more. 
That's what I mean by, by sharing your faith. Maybe risking your reputation is wearing, I call them Jesus shirts. I don't know if that's politically correct, but uh, right, a Christian shirt that says something on it. Um, there was a woman, um, and some of y'all use her name, Kathy uh, Rashka, some of you know her. Um, she shared just this morning on the atrium with Pastor Clint and I, um, she wore a, a shirt that said, I can't remember what she told me, and God is love. She wore a shirt at work, said God is love to work. And then at some point during work, somebody came up to her and said, will you pray for me? They're having, I don't know if they're having a physical ailment or something, but will you pray for me? And then that same person came up a few days later and asked her to pray again. So she risked that reputation because society tells us a Christian shirt out in the public is kind of goofy, doesn't it? It tells us that. Maybe risking your reputation is posting scripture on social media or a daily Bible verse or something. Maybe it's a Jesus bumper sticker. Maybe it's a hat. I'm thinking this, I know he's back in the beacon right now. I went to lunch with um, Tony Huffnagel. Some of you know him. Went to BW3's, his hat, and it said something about, I love Jesus or something like that on his hat. Risking it. Maybe risking it is praying out loud when you go out to eat at a restaurant. That was tough for me the first time I, I did that, right? I'm thinking, what is, what's the guy behind me? What are they thinking when I'm praying? But you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the guy behind you says. It only matters what God thinks. Write this down. The only opinion that matters is God's opinion. The only opinion that matters is God's opinion. So that's our first point. Risking our reputation is easier, comes easier when we connect with our creator. We, we can look foolish for God. We need to connect so we know that we're doing it for him. The second point, risking our reputation comes easier when we understand the lasting legacy. When we understand the lasting legacy. Genesis 6.18 says, but I will establish my covenant with you. That's God to Noah. But I will establish my covenant with you when you build this ark. A covenant is a, is a bond. God's saying, I will establish a bond with you, Noah. Here's a side note. God in the Bible, I want to say five times, something like that establishes a covenant with someone. He did it with Noah. I believe he did it with Abraham. He had a covenant with Jesus. I think he had a covenant with Israel. And there's something else. There's somebody else in there. But five times, Noah's one of those. He establishes a covenant with Noah. In Genesis 8.21, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans. And then never again will I destroy all living creatures. Never again will I do this. All of this because Noah risked his reputation and built a boat. And what happened is what God said was gonna happen. The flood came, right? Noah did what he was supposed to do. And God created that. God said, because of you, Noah, I will never do this again. 
So Noah's legacy is pretty lasting. We're all sitting in this room because of Noah's legacy, because Noah put his reputation on the line. If he didn't, and he didn't build the ark, Noah's washed out of the earth and all humans are gone. And out of God, I don't know if he would create human again. I, I doubt it. But we're here because Noah, that's a pretty lasting legacy. I think here, I'll use the word challenge. I think it's a challenge. Noah is one person, right? Noah risked his reputation and one person essentially put us all here. The world has what, 7 billion people because of one person. Imagine what this room can do. Imagine what the United States could do. Imagine what if every of all 7 billion people put their reputation on the line for God, what would happen? Noah's just one person, but we can do this as well. So God creates a covenant and he also gives a sign. I've not shared this verse yet, but this is the then, this is Genesis chapter nine. I wanna read this to you. It's verses 12 through 16. Said, and God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. Let me pause. So this is God speaking to Noah. Because you did this, this is after the flood. This is after Noah gets out of the boat and, and, and worships God and sacrifices things on the altar. This is all after that. And God says, I'm gonna make a covenant with me and you and with every living creature for all generations to come. So this is a covenant that God has with us to this day because we are all generations past Noah. And here's what he says. Here's the, here's the sign. It says, I have set my rainbow on the clouds or my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood and destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. That sign is a rainbow. In our society today, the symbol of the rainbow means some things. I think it's been twisted. I would even argue to say that it's, got, it's been stolen. But, I, but I, let's, let's think about a rainbow. When do rainbows happen? After a storm. When did the rainbow come from Noah? After the storm. Right? If God is flooding the earth, I can only imagine the type of storm that that is. This isn't the water slowly rising and Noah sitting on this boat and just rising up, right? I'm sure there are big, there's probably waves that bigger than what we've seen on earth to this day that were happening during this storm. And so Noah and his family rode out the storm. And then what happens after that? A rainbow. In my life, if I think about the times I've seen rainbows, they always come after the storm, 
right? The rain comes, it moves off to the, to the east, and then the sun comes out behind it, and the rain is gone, and then there's the rainbow. Rainbows come after the storm. So we can get through it. 2020, for most of us in this room, if not all of us in this room, and anybody watching, and probably everyone on earth, 2020 has been a storm, right? And maybe for you in your life, maybe 2019 was a storm too. And maybe it was a decade of storm. And I don't know, I wanna say that, hey, 2021 is not gonna be a storm, but I have no idea. Maybe it's gonna be another decade of storm. I don't know that. But what I do know is that after the storm, there's gonna be a rainbow. And that rainbow is a covenant between us and God, because he told us right here in the very first book that he wrote to us. It's a covenant. So it's gonna, it can be stormy, but after the storm, there will be a rainbow. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. The reason I can guarantee it is because it says it right here in this book. Life can get stormy. I get it. Press through it. Press through it because there will be a rainbow. This is the last thing you can write down. It says, if you want to see a rainbow, if we want to see a rainbow, we have to be willing to endure the storm. We have to be willing to endure the storm. I'm willing to endure it. There's going to be some times it really stinks. Will you endure it with me? If you endure it with me, I think it'll be easier for me. And if I endure it with you, it'll be easier for you. We can endure the storm. Guys, there's a rainbow. I can keep going on and on and on. I'm not. I'm not. There's a rainbow on the other side of the storm. Guaranteed. All right. I'm done talking now. In the beacon, um, we're going to um, send it over to Katie. She will do some ministry time. And um, I believe Will's going to come up and play. And Rose will um, close us out with the time of ministry. in my early 20s I didn't have a good reputation and I lived the kind of life that people didn't look at me (laughs) the way I wanted to be looked at I had a bad reputation but at the end of that I risked my reputation by going into ministry going to ministry school and going into missions And people looked at me like, they said some things to me like I was crazy to leave my job, to leave my family, to leave my life. But you know what? Taking that risk was worth it. My life did a 180. And it was worth it. Taking a risk 
for the God of the universe, the one who created us, who, the one who created the world, is 100% worth it. It just is. So my question for, the, for you this morning is, what is God saying to you? What kind of risk is he wanting you to take? Is it wearing that shirt <laughs> that someone may question for Jesus? Is it having that conversation with a coworker or a friend or a family member? Is it having interaction about God? A risk may even be praying for someone that you don't really get along with. And God may be saying, uh, got to pray for that person. That's risky. Because that may mean, yeah, I need to start liking that person. It's a different kind of risk. It's a different one. What's God saying to you? chapter 6 verse 13 it says God said to Noah he didn't talk to all the other while well, he was talking to all the other people but this was a specific assignment for Noah and he has specific assignments for each of us so what is God saying to you why don't you stand and I'll pray We're just going to take a few seconds to ask God to speak to us. So, Lord, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to our hearts? Lord, help us to understand that taking a risk for you is worth it. So Lord, what do you have to say to each of us? So God, I pray that you would give us courage and boldness to step into what you are asking us to do. Help us to understand that you are not going to leave us in this alone. You never left Noah. The times when he was criticized the times when he was ridiculed as he was going through the process of building the ark and he looked foolish you never left him he was never on his own because he partnered with you and so Lord we choose to partner with you as we take risks for you. 
God, may your voice be clear. May your presence be clear and so real to us, Lord. Because, Lord, it's all about you. It's not about us. So, Lord, give us courage and boldness to do what you call us to do. God, I thank you for meeting with us this morning and for being with us and for speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have any prayer concerns, requests, doctor's appointments, anything that's going on in your life, we have a prayer team that would love to pray with you this morning. Um, we are finished, and so have a good week. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.